The Daily 202 is sponsored by T. Rowe Price. Check out The Confident Wallet, a personal finance podcast series by T. Rowe Price and the Washington Post Brand Studio. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, January 8th. In today's news, the White House tries to lessen the pain of the shutdown. Betsy DeVos may empower predatory lenders as she continues to roll back student loan regulations. And Kim Jong-un is in China for his birthday. But first, the big idea. Trump administration officials made an urgent case on Monday that the situation at the border with Mexico has reached a crisis level, laying the groundwork for the president to potentially declare a national emergency that would empower him to construct a border wall without congressional approval. With the federal government partially shut down for a third week, Trump will attempt to bolster his case tonight by delivering a primetime televised address to the nation from the Oval Office. It's the first time he's done so as president. He will then travel on Thursday to visit the border. We're hearing it will be McAllen, Texas, though the White House won't confirm that. Vexed by Democrats' refusal to yield to his demand for $5.7 billion for wall funding, Trump increasingly views the emergency declaration as a viable, if risky, way to build a portion of his long-promised barrier. Although Vice President Pence says Trump has made no final decision, lawyers in the White House Counsel's Office are working to determine the president's options and prepare for likely legal obstacles. Such a move would be a fraught act of brinkmanship at the dawn of a newly divided government, sparking a firestorm with House Democrats and certain challenge in federal courts. But Trump believes forcing a drastic reckoning through executive action may be necessary given the Democratic resistance and the wall's symbolic power for his core base voters. In private conversations with advisors during a staff retreat at Camp David on Sunday and then back at the White House on Monday, Trump said he may soon declare the emergency unless he gets the money for the wall. Trump's leading allies on the right, specifically Fox News host Sean Hannity, have been prodding him in this direction. On Capitol Hill, meanwhile, Republicans are showing cracks in their ranks. Moderate GOP lawmakers have not shown much willingness to back an emergency declaration, and a handful of Republican senators facing difficult re-election fights in 2020, like Cory Gardner in Colorado, Susan Collins in Maine, and Tom Tillis in North Carolina, have signaled support for reopening the government and called for a bipartisan deal. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, aiming to peel off more Republicans this week, has planned a new series of show votes for a piecemeal reopening of the government, beginning with the Treasury Department and the Internal Revenue Service. Hoping to stave off more GOP defections, Pence and DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen are scheduled to brief House Republicans this afternoon ahead of the president's televised address. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one. The White House said the IRS will issue tax refunds during the shutdown. Last year and during previous administrations, the IRS said it could not pay tax refunds during a government shutdown because it did not have the legal authority to do so. But Trump administration lawyers ruled Monday that the refunds can be processed after all, a move many Democrats call legally dubious. The decision could prove extremely consequential for U.S. households and the economy, Last year, between January 29th and March 2nd, the IRS paid more than $147 billion in tax refunds to 48.5 million households. But it's also the latest in a string of sudden shifts in legal reversals that have seen the White House change precedent in the face of public pressure. 
For government employees, however, who have already felt snubbed by the Trump administration, this shutdown is just the latest indignity inflicted by the president who promised to drain the swamp. Some government employees have been forced to find side hustles to make ends meet, including, get this, one diplomat who has taken to reviewing cosmetics online for extra money. The State Department officer will continue working on the global balance of power without getting paid for it by day. But at night, she'll write paid product reviews and work as a pet sitter, bartender, or at $5 a pop, your notary public. It's the only way, she says, that she can pay her bills. Number two, Education Secretary Betsy DeVos wants to loosen rules so that more for-profit companies can become eligible to take federal student aid dollars. Experts agree that these rules she's trying to roll back protect students and that her policy will expand the power of predatory lenders. DeVos has bemoaned what counts as a college course worthy of federal loans and grants. She's challenged the accreditation system that stands between schools and billions in financial aid. She's questioned whether the Education Department's rules work to the detriment of innovation. Under her proposal, the Education Department would give accreditors, and to a lesser extent colleges themselves, more authority over how distance education, correspondence courses, and credit hours are defined. Number three, Kim Jong-un and Chinese President Xi Jinping held their fourth summit meeting. State-run TV in Pyongyang says Kim and his wife are visiting China until Thursday at Xi's invitation. It would be the fourth time that Kim has traveled there just in the past year. Each of his previous visits occurred before or immediately after summits with either Trump or South Korean President Moon Jae-in. Kim is also expected to meet Moon again soon, possibly going to Seoul. This is just the latest instance of China trying to check U.S. interests in the region. The Wall Street Journal today reports that China offered in 2016 to bail out a Malaysian government sovereign wealth fund at the center of a corruption scandal in an attempt to increase Beijing's clout. Chinese officials told visiting Malaysians that they would use their influence to try to get the U.S. and other countries to drop probes of allegations that allies of the then prime minister plundered the fund known as 1MDB. The journal obtained minutes of the meeting. The Chinese also offered to bug the homes and offices of Wall Street Journal reporters in Hong Kong who were investigating the Malaysians. In return, Malaysia offered lucrative stakes in railway and pipeline projects to the Chinese Sovereign Wealth Fund. U.S. officials say China is using this program to increase its sway over developing nations and to trap them in debt while advancing its military aims. And there's danger on the home front, too. China's state-owned rail car manufacturer is making a bid on a big contract for D.C.'s metro transit system. This has prompted fears across our intelligence community that it would be used for foreign surveillance in the capital. Congress, the Pentagon, and industry experts have taken these warnings seriously. And finally, Metro will do the same. The transit agency recently decided to add cybersecurity safeguards to specifications for a contract it will award later this year for its next generation of rail cars. They've been warned that China's state-owned rail car manufacturer is going to try to win this deal by massively underbidding American bidders. The idea is that they would sell these rail cars at a loss to get a foothold in Washington. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, January 8th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.
The Washington Post has a new daily podcast, Post Reports, hosted by me, Martine Powers. Every weekday afternoon, we're bringing you stories about the state of the country, the world, and how we come to know the things we know. Get it now at WashingtonPost.com slash Post Reports.